Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. So good morning again. It is Friday, the 1st of October. Where in the word are you today? I am in Daniel chapter 6. If you did not join us in the Daniel reading this week, uh, you can still do so. You can go on to MyFaithRadio.com and, you know, maybe you just want to binge the Daniel reading plan from this week. Six chapters is what we covered, uh, what we're covering this week. And you can you can join in that as well. So uh, the where in the word question, uh, somebody asked me about that. Like, why why do you think it's so important that people be in the word? And they were actually asking because they had had a conversation with their pastor, who was suggesting that prayer was re- really important and um, mission and service, like service in the local community, was really important. Being in a fellowship group at the church was really important. Finding your place of service, really important, um, but did not highlight scripture study, the the reading, the devotional reading of scripture. And then in addition to the devotional reading of scripture, the genuine study of scripture, which are different things, devotional reading and study, different things. Um, and so this person sent me an email and said, you know, you always emphasize the question, where in the word are you, which, you know, leads me to believe that reading the Bible is really important. And so why do you think reading the Bible is important? Well, that's an excellent question. Why would I spend the precious time or a portion of the precious time that, uh, that I have each and every day? I mean, right? And I'm not promised tomorrow. So today is what I have. Why would I spend any portion of it, uh, let alone a dedicated portion of it, to being in the Word of God? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, I actually believe that the Bible is the Word of the living God. It's the living Word of the living God. Uh, And so as a person who seeks God and seeks righteousness, um, the Bible is the place where I go to find out more, to know more of God's character and God's history with his people and what God has said about the past, present, and future. It's where I go to find encouragement and sustenance and fellowship, right? I have genuine fellowship. I don't know if you've experienced it this way. I have genuine fellowship with the people in the Bible who are the God people. Like, God's people are my people. Uh, They are—I'm going where they're going. I am headed to where they already are, and so I want to get to know them. Like, when I read— the stories of the people in the Bible, the the people who are faithful to God, um, the the believers in Scripture, like, those are my people, and I want to get to know them. So, you know, other people are, like, fascinated by doing their, like, you know, study of their genealogy and wanting to know, 
you know, about their ancestors. I want to know about the Bible people. I want to know about the people with whom I'm going to spend eternity. Like, I want to know as much about Moses as possible. Um, he's clearly there because, you know, he is standing on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. So, you know, there's one guy who I'm sure is going to be in heaven because, well, he's already there. Um, and so there you go. That's a, why do I study the Bible? Why do I read the Bible? Why do I devote time and energy to the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? Because I believe God, and I believe what God has revealed, not only in creation, general revelation, but what God has revealed in the specific revelation of Scripture in the Old and New Testaments. And I want to know God, and I want to know the things of God, and the mind of God, and the heart of God, and the character of God, and the plan of God, and the people of God. Because that's who I'm going to spend eternity with. So I'm spending a little time today preparing for the place and the people with whom I'm going to spend all eternity. There you go. Why do you spend time in the Word of God? You can text me, 877-933-2484. Next up, we got Adam Holtz. Focus on the families plugged in. We'll be right back. All right, joining me now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can read much of what we're talking about today and other really great stuff at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back. Hello, hello. Hello. Am I by my, Am I all by myself? Hello. I was going to sing all by myself, but anyway, oh, yeah. I, won't you know, I won't do that. My little, uh, my little microphone had come unplugged, so I'm glad I noticed it. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. All right. What do we need to be talking about today? Venom sounds terrible. Yes. Uh, you know what? Before we dive in on that, I want to answer your question about <gasps> why do you why study the Bible? Why do you read devotionally and study the Bible? And and this is one answer. It's not all of my answers, but it's a little bit different than what you talked about. You know, in uh, Ephesians five fifteen through 17, Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but is wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And that that idea of evil, you know, we can think serial killers or terrorists, but the evil that Paul is really talking about is the evil of the world system that is set up against the way of God, right? And so if I am not in Scripture— I am going to be conformed to the ways of the world, as we talk about it, as Paul talks about in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And the only way for my mind to be conformed and transformed by God's way of thinking is to be in Scripture. It's the only way. The only way I understand what the world's untruths are is if I am growing in my understanding of what those truths are in scripture. And, um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to toss that in that, that if we think that we're going to be able to recognize truth apart from the revelation of God and, and I, yes, there is, uh, you know, general truth as you talked about, uh, as revealed by the creation, but, um, yeah, scripture is the only thing that gets me there. I love that. Thank you. Um, you bet. That's so helpful. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, now we what can are talk you... about movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. 
What um what are you watching? What have you watched? What should we watch? What should we not watch? There you go. That'll be my tee well, up for the conversation. Let's start with the Jesus music, which full disclosure, oh, I have not I know, okay, I so here's the thing. But but Paul has special music for the Jesus music. So Paul, oh, okay. could you just play the special music for the Jesus music or well, should we just say we're gonna do it when we come back from break? Don't well, I can, I let's can, talk about something else first. Uh Go ahead and talk about it. We'll still play the music. Aww. Just go ahead. He already. All right. Yeah, just go I ahead. No, you already ruined it. All right. Adam, we're going to work on this in the future. Well, we have a list. We're following it. I'm just kidding. All right. Adam, clearly, the Jesus music. We need to jump in here differently. Um, this is a documentary by John um, and his brother, <laughs> the other brother, Irwin, whose name just left my mind conveniently. Just call um, them the Irwin brothers. That's that's they the way are we roll. The Irwin yeah. brothers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. John and Andrew Irwin. So the Irwin brothers uh, have made a ton of movies. They're kind of like the Kendrick brothers, but maybe not quite as well known. Um, and they have done this documentary on the history of Christian music and where it came from. And uh, as Paul A.C. says in his review, it's not a hagiography. And if that's not a word you're familiar with, that means uh, a work that is celebrating and uplifting and basically telling us why somebody is a saint. Um, and so this is a much more nuanced documentary that talks about, you know, where Christian music came from, but also some of the problems that it ran into as it began to become a thing. You know, we have Michael W. Smith, we've got Amy Grant following in the footsteps of Keith Green and Larry Norman. And, and as they became successful, um, there were issues that popped up, uh, you know, not the least of which is how accepting Christians were when artists did things that weren't very Christian. Um, issues of diversity in the kind of people making this music. Uh, and so this is, I think, if you're a fan of Christian music, and I grew up in the 80s, so I, I definitely was right there for all of it. This is a must-see kind of thing. And I think that it gives a window into... Um, the call to be creative and the fact that some of our favorite Christian creatives are still human beings and they may still make mistakes that we don't understand or that we don't like. Uh, so I think it's a very humanizing kind of story uh, and one that fans of Christian music will definitely appreciate. All right, we're going to take a very brief break, during which I expect we're going to hear the music that Paul wants to associate with the Jesus Music documentary. <laughs> All right, and then we're going to continue our conversation with Adam Holtz. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, continuing our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Um, Adam, yes, emoji, emojis, emojis, emojis. Um, seem to be. They just multiply all the time. Um, I did note yesterday that everybody made the transition to the pumpkin emoji um, for many, many things. Um, talk with us about the melting emoji. What do I need to know about the new melting face? And are you an emoji person or are you a GIF, GIF person? Well, let's talk about the melting emoji. Um there is a company that creates new emojis, and they have just released uh, a new one. The company is called Unicode, if you must know. Uh, and it has, you know, they sort of catalog emojis that are out there. 
This newest one is exactly what it sounds like. It is a smiley face that on the bottom is clearly melting into a puddle of liquid. And it's interesting that they talk about how this emoji is being used both literally and figuratively. Um, the first thing they talk about is how, you know, if you want to talk about global warming, you can talk about, or climate change. We don't actually call it global warming anymore. It's now climate change. Um, you know, you can just toss a melting emoji in there as shorthand for all of your philosophical thoughts on that topic. And apparently that gets the job done. And it's also just, you know, shorthand for I was embarrassed, you know, metaphorically, I was melting. I, I have, you know, if you want to just, it's sort of in the same territory as a face palm, I think. Um, but, uh, this is the newest emoji that is, uh, sweeping the emoji world, uh, and enough that people are writing news articles about it, which is really crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, a text message just, just seems like it's not even complete if it doesn't have an emoji. Um, right? and so I have noted that there's an emojipedia, um, yes. for those of us who want to know what the emojis mean, there are lots of categories. One question that I have is like, okay, so I have the emojis that just are like seemingly automatically there in <laughs> as options. How do I get more emojis or different emojis? That's a really great question. My phone gives oh, them to right. me. So I, I know, have never but, actually but commented. I feel like I'm, but I feel like I'm restricted because I'm looking at this list and there's one that's like, totally looks like a terrorist and i'm like i clearly do not have terrorist emoji like no i terrorist I, emojis i don't i, I don't that, even have melting emoji like am i gonna get melting emoji or i have do you see what i'm saying i don't no. have i don't have a fly I mean, i'm looking at the list now and i'm like oh I, there's a lot of emojis i don't have honestly carmen this was not the the segment that i was expecting to be caught i'm so sorry completely so... flat-footed <laughs> um i know that my there's phone... probably an emoji for that there's an probably Android, yeah a flat-footed emoji. I'm sure, you know, sure. I can search for different no, emojis no. and there's different I categories. But I think, kind of back <laughs> to your original question, to me, the shorthand um, that an emoji enables you to communicate, you know, instead of actually writing a word because we can't be bothered to write out a whole word, you know, we can just pick one symbol. Um, I think that it speaks to our culture moving in both a more image oriented direction and we're just we're on the fly right we're moving so fast that as i said we can't be bothered to type out a message or use punctuation um and so it's it's shorthand at times it can be very um i think effective and fast but i also wonder how much it also short circuits real communication of what is really happening with us so it it becomes a substitute for real conversation and we can all just lol and keep moving about our day right um so i think there's good and bad here i have in the great problems of the universe i'm not sure how high i would rank overuse of emojis but i think it is reflective of where we're at culturally i have a colleague who um has committed to never using an emoji um and so of course it now all the rest of us just use emojis toward him all the time so there right? you go I'm just saying it's a yeah. passive you know, aggressive I had a very thing going on. Elitist, elitist moment where I decided I wasn't going to use smiley face emojis, but that's just dumb. Sometimes you just need a smiley face. I'm not going to overthink it, even though I probably just overthought it. So now we've come full circle on this one. Yeah. So um, 
I have a a person in my life who I, I'm a if I can answer an email in one word, I mean if it's a one if it's a if it's a question that can be answered in one word, I'm like, well, that seems sufficient. Answer it in one word. Well, I have right. a person in my life who for whom that is incredibly offensive. Like our feelings are hurt. Da, da, da. So now I do the one word and a smiley face emoji, and that helps. And it it resol- it has resolved all of the you're short with me. I mean, she doesn't feel like I'm short with her because I send her a little smiley face along with the one word. Right. Yes or no? Well, and that's anyway. right. It's like it's like hieroglyphics on how to interpret what we wrote. Um, and my English major snob side of me would say, well, why don't we communicate more clearly with words? <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's something about an emoji <laughs> that completely disarms you, right? It's like, ah. I can't be mad at somebody who sent me a smiley face, even if what they actually said made me mad. Um, so there, there's an interesting psychology here, isn't there? Yes. And now, of course, if she's listening, I've been totally outed and we'll have to do something else. OK, um, let's uh, let's talk about uh, the what's going on with people in high profile jobs. In this case, yep. people on screen right. who you know, at, at some point in the past may have said or written something or currently say and write things that are technically, you know, like don't pass muster in the um, in the cancel culture. So what's going on here? Well, I think the, the big lesson is anything you ever wrote is probably online somewhere. And we have two stories this week illustrating this problem. Both of them involve people with names that are hard to pronounce. So if I get it wrong, Please correct me. Um, the first one is Simu Liu, who is the star of the new Shang-Chi movie. And like six or seven years ago, he had um, a pseudonym on Reddit. And Reddit, of course, is kind of the Wild West. I mean, it's its own social media platform. There's all kinds of crazy stuff on Reddit. Um, and there's really helpful stuff there, too. It's not that it's all bad. Um, but he was a part of a Reddit group that was notorious for being sexist. Uh, It was called the Men's Rights Asians Group, and it's been known to harass Asian women on the Internet. And then he also said some things about playing a pedophile character and talked about how, you Mm. know, maybe we should have sympathy for pedophiles because they haven't chosen to be that way. It's just the way they are. And he learned about them learning to play this role. Well, mm. okay, it wasn't under his name, and he deleted account. Points out, um, the internet is forever, uh, and and this article on Inside Hook um, says, you know, there are people that have these archive pages that can go back and find stuff, even if you've deleted it, it can still exist some somewhere, um, and so. The article just asked the question, are celebrities really that stupid? And the article seems to imply that the answer is yes, they are. (laughs) Uh, And then the other one is, uh, and I'm going to butcher her name, even though she's been around for 30 years. um, Is it Mayim Bialik? Is that how you pronounce Mm -hmm. her name? That's right. Mayim Um, Mayim Bialik. Mm -hmm. Mayim Bialik. Of course, she... um, was what on Punky Brewster or, or, or Blossom, one of those shows a hundred years ago, uh, and now has been on a number of things and now is at least a temporary host for Jeopardy. And we already got Mike Richards kicked off for some things he said that were controversial. And now it's come to light that um, 
Mayim Bialik has been an anti-vaxxer in the past, and she definitely has said some things that don't fit with the prevailing progressive orthodoxy. Okay, um, so see, I like her. Like, she is like the consummate Jewish mom who does not uh, care what the rest of the world thinks. And she is right. so straightforward in her, like, bring it attitude. Um, yep. I think she survives this. I, I I predict that of all the people who cancel culture has been able to cancel, this Big Bang girl who's like a genuine scientist and genuinely believes in God, I think she stands up to this. I think she sort of brings the whole thing to an end, crashing in upon itself. I'm, that's well, what I'm I, rooting for. There you go. I hope so. And, and I wonder how much people are just weary of cancel culture. Like, you know, if you stray one iota, and I used the word orthodoxy earlier, from, you know, the prescribed orthodoxy, you get excommunicated. That's what we called it, you know, back in the day during the Inquisition. Um, and Christians at times have been known to be pretty harsh if somebody drifts out of you know, what the standard understanding is, but now it's happening on the left and there's a kind of fundamentalism there. Uh, and I think fundamentalism and its legalism and its harshness ultimately wears thin because it's not grace. It's not life giving. It's just this ever expanding set of rules that no matter what you do, you can't ever get it quite right. Um, and, and I wonder if people are going to just roll their eyes and say, give me a break. I just want to watch Jeopardy and she's entitled to all of her opinions. Um, there you go. Exactly. So I hope she makes it too. Love it as always. Adam Holt, thank you so much. Um, I will I will find an appropriate emoji and send it to you. That's Adam That's Holt good. from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can find him at PluggedIn.com. we got to take a break for Breakpoint. All right, you and I have uh, been aching and longing for someone to do what World is now doing. World News Group is launching today something called World Opinions. Um, they are going to help arm us for the battle of ideas in the world today. We recognize that we're living in a at a point in time of great transition, and we need we need help being equipped for the conversations taking place in the world, and we need really thoughtful, proven people to help us do that. And so World has put together a really stellar group of individuals to help us think through what's going on in the world and everything in it. So Andrew Walker is going to join us next. He's the new managing editor for World Opinions. We'll be right back. This is Max Locato. Winters are a part of life, some personal, some global, but all are powerful. Try as we might to bundle up and lean into the wind, the heartiest among us can fall. Nights are too long, and the question is all too common, will this winter ever pass? God has a six-letter word of encouragement, E-S-T-H-E-R. The book of Esther was written to be read in wintertime for the person who feels outnumbered by foes, outmaneuvered by fate and outdone by fear. It's as if God, in His kind providence, heard all the prayers of all the souls who have ever been stuck in an Arctic February. And to every person who has longed to see a green sprig on a barren branch, He says, follow me. I want you to see what I can do. Today, 
I'm hungry and I'm ready for change. I run too far to still be the same. Dr. Andrew Walker is one of my favorites. Um, I don't really care what he's doing or what he's talking about. I'm probably listening in. Uh, He is, among other things, a professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, He is a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C., and he is now the managing editor of World Opinions. Andrew, welcome again to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. It's great to be with you. Well, it's wonderful to have you. All right, so our listeners have actually been waiting for what just launched today um, at World Magazine. They just didn't know this is what they were waiting for or who was going to launch it. So um, so tell us what World Opinions is and how people can find it. Sure, that's a great question. So World Opinions is the newest product from the World News Group. Uh, company. Um, you know, since their inception, they've focused almost exclusively on reporting, um, on kind of just more journalistic enterprises, uh, and they've never occupied uh, an opinion commentary lane. And so uh, they had been um, proposing this internally and approached Dr. Moeller about heading it. And then Dr. Moeller approached me about coming under him to serve as his managing editor. And so World Opinions is going to be uh, a, a place where every single day there'll be three uh, essays or opinion columns posted from very trusted, very reliable, uh, n- known evangelical voices who will who will be bringing sound commentary and analysis on all of the issues uh, facing us as Christians in the public square. A couple things I would say as well is we really are trying to be intentional in terms of elevating the discourse. So we want to be a place that is um, analytical, hopeful, uh, but also respectful. And so we're not going to be down uh, in in the mud, uh, engaging in, in kind of harsh rhetoric. We want to bring more uh, light to the subject, not simply just heat to the subject. We have a lot of heat, not enough light. In our culture, and so we want to be a place that is unapologetically Christian, um, because we live in a time where there are so many different perspectives uh, vying for culture's affections, and we think that because Christianity is true, uh, it, it demands public representation because what we believe actually can change people and it can change civilizations as well. So, Andrew, we um, we had a recent conversation with Dr. Russell Moore, and we asked him to sort of define for us the term public theology, understanding that that's, you know, now what he has undertaken on, on behalf of Christianity today. This feels like an act of public theology and equipping uh, the saints for public theology. Um, is that, would that be one way that I could describe it to others? Oh, certainly. That's that's definitely correct. I mean, public theology is uh, it's a discipline of the broader kind of category of theology that is seeking to uh, both analyze, inter- interpret, and then apply uh, the Christian faith to all aspects of our existence. And that doesn't just mean when you hear public theology or public life, that automatically takes you to something like politics. Now, politics absolutely encompasses uh, public theology, but public theology is broader than that. Public theology is merely the idea that 
all aspects of our lives are to be uh, bearing witness to Christ. So whether we live, whether we die, Paul says in Romans chapter 14, we belong to Christ. And so when we think about, uh, you know, what do our schools look like? When we think about what do our homes look like as far as the activities of the family? Are we spending too much time on social media? Where are we getting uh, our formation and our cultivation of perspectives? Those are public theology matters. And so the, the, the good part of public theology is that it can virtually apply to everything. The bad part of public theology is that it, it can apply to everything. Uh, because at that point, everything is, is, is in the domain of public theology. But public theology is related to this discussion of Christian worldview. And if Christ is risen, and we as Christians believe that he is, that means that fact then shapes our fundamental orientation to all aspects of life, that we're going to bring all aspects of our existence under his lordship. When we talk about um, world opinions and what you guys are doing there, um, maybe we could we could spend a little time looking at the three things that are posted today, um, and maybe we yeah. could do that right after a break. But Andrew, let's do this, because there is a podcast available today um, at The World and Everything in It, which is a World Magazine podcast, if folks aren't familiar with that, and they do something called Culture Friday, and you and Dr. Al Mohler are the guests today on uh, Culture Friday on the world and everything in it. Maybe give us a preview of what it looks like to be armed for the battle of ideas. I think to be armed for the battle of ideas means that you can't just be passive. You have to be active. And so, you know, one of the, the core axioms that Dr. Mohler and I both live with is you don't drift into faithfulness. Uh, faithfulness requires intentionality intentionality requires some hard work. And so we think that because we're called to love God with all aspects of our being, including our minds, uh, that's that's a calling on all of us as Christians to be aware of what's going on in the culture around us. I mean, very, very practically speaking, one way to love your neighbor is to be aware of what of what culture your neighbor is partaking in. And mm-hmm. so we, we need to be called into the battle of ideas because uh, there is no neutral space in the universe. Uh, the universe is either going in the direct, or, or, or the, the voices within culture are either going against the grain of the universe or going with the grain of the universe. And we think that truth is on the line. Um, the good of our neighbor is on the line. And so that means necessarily that that drafts us into the cause of caring about what's going on in the world around us. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Andrew T. Walker in just a moment. We're talking about uh, a brand new service that has launched today at World Magazine. It's called World Opinions. You can find it at WNG. That that stands for World News Group, WNG.org. You're looking for World Opinions. When we come back, we're going to talk about what is, um, what's posted today, particularly interested in the piece that Andrew wrote, You're Never Progressive Enough. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Andrew Walker is with us today. He is a professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He is also the managing editor now of World Opinions from the World News Group. You know them as World Magazine. Um, Andrew, let's talk about the piece you have uh, up today. You're never progressive enough. 
Yeah, so there was an interesting story that uh, happened last week where the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, which is a very, very progressive legal advocacy organization, uh, they, they took a quote from Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away in 2020. And uh, it's a quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg talking about the need for abortion uh, as a central fixture of uh, women's rights and for feminism. But what the ACLU had done is in taking this quote, and they made a graphic of it for Twitter, they took out the language of woman and female and inserted kind of more gender-neutral gender language, insisting the idea that it's, it's both men and women can become pregnant. Uh, and so therefore, both men and women need access to abortion because again, in kind of the transgender worldview that we're living in right now, uh, biological sex has been completely detached and severed from all notions of gender. And so this is really a breathtaking moment uh, and a very, very re revealing moment. For, for one, uh, you, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is heralded as a cultural progressive icon, if she's not conservative, or I'm not, if she's not progressive enough um, for the ACLU that she has to be edited to be made more progressive, um, that shows a high degree of absurdity. But then buried underneath this, inc this incident is a, a, a more fundamental truth, which is in a progressive worldview, um, you're never given access to stability and true order and, and a, a place to stand that's fixed. Um, things are always constantly evolving. Uh, and, you know, that's a part of the spirit of the age that we live in right now. But it's actually a really, really insidious worldview because it's basically saying to people, um, there is no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as stability. There's, there's no such thing as like as fixity um, and predictability that we have to constantly be revising our norms and our categories to meet the demands of the spirit of the age. And so what I do in this piece is to contrast kind of the ever-evolving, shifting norms of progressivism with the fact in Hebrews we read that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so obviously Christ is our Lord, which is the most important truth, but there's an implication from that truth, is that that truth doesn't change, that this is a firm anchor to place yourself in and, and to get your bearings from as well. I mean, we all have to have key ways um, to live our life. We have to have an account of what is true, what is good, uh, what is ultimate. Christ offers that. Christianity offers that. Uh, progressivism does not. Uh, and so to that extent that it doesn't, it actually is uh, contrary to cultural good, and it's contrary to the good of our neighbor as well. Andrew, that's so helpful. One of the terms that you're using um, that I think it would be helpful to define because we hear it. And one of the things we're trying to teach each other to do here is stop when I hear a word in a conversation and ask the person using it to define it to be sure that I'm actually accurately understanding them. So when you use the term progressive, what do you mean? When I, when I hear, use the term progressive, I mean uh, traditionally those uh, views that that take what Thomas Sowell refers to as an unconstrained view of the universe. And, and to, to answer that question, I have to, to unpack what Thomas Sowell means. Thomas Sowell says there's basically uh, two ways to look at the world and the universe, that there's a constrained vision for the universe, 
versus an unconstrained vision for the universe. The constrained vision of the universe means that there are moral constants. There is truth, there is objectivity, there is right and wrong. And so um, human flourishing means aligning yourself with with what is true. Um, Progressivism is a species of thought that comes from this unconstrained worldview, which means uh, morality is something that is constructed from the bottom up rather than the top down. And so that means morality is constantly shifting and evolving. And so a part of what it means to be a progressive is to constantly be playing catch up with what those around you are demanding of you morally and ethically and as far as what worldviews are, are required. And, and, and moreover, how decency is thought about in our society. So progressivism is really just a shorthand way of saying uh, there is no fixed understanding of right and wrong, that right and wrong is really just a matter of cultural preference defined by what the spirit of the age demands uh, in the current moment. I think the term spirit of the age is really helpful. Um, You've used it more than once. I think that helps us sort of remember that we live at a point in time and that every other Christian has also lived at a point in time. I just think that there's so much helpful um, resourcing that you're doing right now, just in the way that you're talking about the things you're talking about. And I think we can assure people this is the kind of conversation that you are going to get to overhear uh, and listen into when you tune into World Opinions. It is a new resource developed for us by the World News Group. Uh, You know them as World Magazine, and you can find it at WNG, that stands for World News Group, WNG.org. The, uh, those of you asking on the text line for me to repeat the name of the podcast, that podcast is The World and Everything in It. You can also find that at WNG.org. Um, Andrew, thank you so much. Um, one question as you take off, because I know there's always one on the calendar. What's the next race you're running? You know, actually, I, I, I'm contemplating doing the Indianapolis half marathon. But for me to do that, it means I'm going to actually have to get myself into gear and start upping my mileage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we just, you know, just letting you know, we're paying attention to all those things as well. <laughs> Thanks, Carmen. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's Andrew Walker. You can find him um, in a number of places, but most easily right now today at World Opinions, where he is the new managing editor of that new project. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Um, Yes, for those of you asking, has Dr. Andrew Walker written anything? Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, He is an author. Um, One of the books that's on my bookshelf by Andrew is God and the Transgender Debate. What does the Bible actually say about gender identity? So for... um, the person texting in right now related to being asked, uh, you know, by an employer to use uh, questions about gender, gender identity. Those are not, um, you know, those are not actually new questions. And we as Christians can integrate that into uh, the language of the day. This really circles us all the way back around to the conversation we had at the outset about Daniel. You know, how do we live as faithful people in an unfaithful generation? How do we live as Christians in, uh, you know, modern day Babylon? Lots of lines are being drawn, and you and I have to decide which ones, uh, you know, are the places that we won't cross, where we're going to take our stand. Another listener texted in this morning asking for prayers, um, you know, for uh, 
for a child who is you know, facing a really difficult decision at work. She's either going to have to be vaccinated or she's going to lose her job. Um, I totally get that. And so we're, um, we're praying for strength and encouragement with one another. There are real choices that Christians are really making today in the real world that are really, really hard. Um, and so some of those conversations are taking place in our homes. Many of those conversations are taking place in our workplaces. And so let me just encourage you, you know, to recognize that we are like Joseph in Egypt. We are like Daniel in, uh, in Babylon. Um, kingdoms rise and fall and come and go. The people of God uh, remain. God is the same uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is steadfast, immovable. So are we his people. And that's not to say that we're stiff-necked or hard to deal with, but um, we are steadfast in our convictions. And there are some things that we will lose in the world because we are people of Christ. And so let me encourage you today to encourage one another, find fellowship, be strengthened in your inner being. Um, These are difficult days in which we live, but we are sent into them as lights to shine. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.